to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now here's lead pastor, Chris Starr. I've got a message I'm really excited to preach today, and I think it's going to help some people. I've entitled it, He'll Make a Way. How many of you know He'll make a way where there is no way? How many of you know this morning God's a way maker? Exodus chapter 14, I want to read verses 10 through 14, the verses 27 through 29. It reads like this, And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. And so they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness. Is that a gripe session or what? And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still. See the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. How many of you know there's a miracle waiting on you today? How many of you know there's a God waiting to do something in your life today? Not tomorrow, not next Sunday, today. The Lord will fight for you. Oh, let me just, let me miss it. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Go to verse 27. It's the end of the story. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth while all the Egyptians were fleeing into it. And so the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Then the waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. Not so much as one of them remained. I like verse 29. But the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. They saw a sea, but God made a hallway that became a, a, a byway for them to escape. How may say amen to the reading of the word. You can be seated. 2016, a movie came out. I went and watched that movie because I love history. It was a movie called Simply Dunkirk. The movie was based on a real event that occurred during World War II chronicles the evacuation of British soldiers who were trapped in the harbor and on the beaches of Dunkirk, France in late May and early June of 1940. You see, the Germans had pushed them practically into the sea, and they were going to make one final sweep and utterly destroy that army. It looked like there was no way out for those troops. It looked like that defeat was imminent. However, in one of the greatest evacuation efforts that has ever been known in modern times, both military and civilian vessels from Great Britain by the hundreds made the trip across the British Channel, the English Channel, to the beaches of Dunkirk. And there they loaded soldiers on these vessels. Some of them were were shipping, uh, were fishing boats. Some of them were pleasure craft. But they loaded up soldiers, as many as they could, and took them back across the English Channel before the Germans could strike. And 198,000 British and 140,000 French and Belgian troops were saved that day. 
You see, when it looked like there was no way out, the British people made a way out for their soldiers. In the Bible, there's a similar story. It's the story that we read partially. Moses, instructed by the Lord, has led the children of Israel out of Egypt, and the, and, and the, and the goal is to go into the promised land. But like the soldiers of Dunkirk, they found themselves in a precarious situation. You see, they were standing before the Red Sea. They had the Red Sea in front of them. There was nowhere to go. All around them was the dry, arid wilderness. There was nowhere to go. And behind him was Pharaoh's army bearing down behind them. And from all indications, defeat was imminent for the children of Israel. Now let me just pause here and make application. Although in this room today we are not at war, although in this room today we are not people fleeing from their captors, lots of us, many of us, maybe so far as all of us, have experienced times in our life where we can relate to these stories because sometimes you will find yourself facing a wall in life. And by that I mean a situation or a problem that seems to have no outlet. It seems to have no solution. It's a dead-end street. Nothing you say or nothing you do can alter your circumstance. If you will, it's your Red Sea. And there's nowhere to run. And there's nowhere to hide. And sometimes in those situations, it feels like the walls are closing in on you. You cannot see a way out. It is during those times that you will struggle with anxiety and fear, and you'll have sleepless nights because you're running out of time. You're running out of resources. You're running out of options. You're running out of hope. You're running out of strength. And then sometimes in those crises and in those obstacles and walls that we face where there's no way out, added to it is a potential threat, a danger, just like the children of Israel had with Pharaoh. Maybe you're dealing with the threat of a divorce or the threat of the family being broken apart or the threat of financial ruin or the threat of a failed business attempt or the threat of a chronic health problem or the threat of emotional instability or the threat of a devastating breakup or the threat of a permanent denial for something that you were hoping for. Maybe it's the threat of a termination, a refusal, a loss. And so what I want to do this morning for the next few minutes, I think it's worthy. I think it's worth it. Let's take a look at how the children of Israel dealt with this situation and see what we can learn. Unfortunately, their initial response doesn't help us too much. It's not very impressive. The first thing the Bible says is that they were afraid. They were actually absolutely terrified. Now, have you ever felt like that? Have you ever been in a situation where there was no way out and fear overwhelmed you? It's a horrible feeling, and that's very natural. It's a normal reaction to be afraid when you cannot see a way out. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't like heights, and I sure don't like being in closed places. I, I could get claustrophobia real bad. Uh, I, I figured out why. I was born in Kansas. And if you ever been to Kansas, it's just wide open spaces. And I just think it's in my DNA that I don't like to be closed in. I had a man one time that was in our church who flew a single engine airplane and somehow he talked me into going up in that plane with him. And so we're flying out of the Anderson airport and as long as we were flying around Anderson and I could see landmarks and things I knew, I was okay until we left Anderson and just started up to North Carolina above the trees. And at a certain point, I remember all of a sudden that cockpit started closing in on me. 
I was having claustrophobia. There was no way out. I mean, there was no parachute and there was no way. I looked at him and I said, listen, this has been fun, but you get me back to Anderson and get me back down on the ground right now. I did not want to be up there anymore. And so when you're in a place where you can't get out, it can be terrifying. And when fear prevails in your heart, it's important that you deal with it because it will rule your mind and it will squelch your faith. Think about old Peter. Peter was in the, in the boat with the other disciples and then Jesus comes walking on the storm and Peter says, if that's you, Lord, bid me come. And Jesus says, come on, I know you're in a storm. You can't find a way out, but I'm here. And so Peter gets out and he starts doing doing what we've never done. He's walking on the water. That's amazing. And as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, the way out, he could walk on the water. He had a way out. But then he got his eyes off of Jesus and he looked at the storm and the winds and the waves and fear killed his faith and took over and he began to sink and Jesus had to grab him and pull him out. What's the lesson? You have to choose in the midst of the storm to trust the one who is greater than your storm. So they were terrified. They were afraid. So that's not impressive. The second thing is they played the blame game. Well, that's not very impressive either. Moses, why did you do this to us? This is your fault that we're in this mess. Well, the truth is Moses led them, but they followed them to him, didn't they? So they, they were responsible. Let me just say to you today, blaming someone else for your demise is useless and fruitless. It's not going to get you out of your situation. If your own bad decision puts you in your crisis, the best thing you can do is own up to it. But by the way, here's another point. God led them there, not Moses. God's the one that took them to that point. And sometimes God leads you into a place where there is no way out to test your faith and to show his glory and his power in your life. So, you know, don't always get so bent out of shape because God may be working. And the blame may very well fall on God's shoulders. Here's the third thing they did, and it wasn't impressive at all. They second-guessed themselves. Why did we leave Egypt? Why didn't we just stay there? And we do this, don't we? We've all done it. Why did I make that choice? Why didn't I stay where I was? Why didn't I leave well enough alone? And, and then we start second-guessing. God steps in in the middle of all this griping and grumbling and fear, and the Lord speaks and basically says, stop doing all this. Stand still, be quiet, stop being afraid. Trust me because I'm about to turn this thing around for you. And let me tell you what I've learned. I've learned that when I allow my circumstance to control me, I'm, I, I will become a wreck. I'll be a nervous wreck. I get negative, I adopt a fatalistic viewpoint, but that's not the way God wants you to be and you don't have to be that way. When I decide to trust in the Lord, when I approach my situation like Peter with my eyes on Jesus, my entire attitude and perspective will change for the good. And even though I'm still in the crisis, even though I'm still facing the wall, even still I don't, I don't have a way out, I begin to have this concept, this mindset, everything's going to be all right. God's got this. So Israel listened to the Lord and decided to deal with their crisis God's way instead of their way. And we need to pay attention to this. So the first thing they did is they prayed. They prayed. And the Bible says in the Hebrew, literally, they shrieked as they prayed. This was no quiet, now I lay me down to sleep prayer. This was no subtle, soft prayer of serenity. This was 
thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people shrieking and screaming and yelling to God at the top of their lungs in desperation. It expressed the depth of their emotions. Now, let's just be frank this morning, okay? Let's, let's just admit it. The bulk of our prayers are nice and neat and quiet and organized. If we're just real honest about it, when we pray, you know, people have their quiet time. I never could understand how a Pentecostal can have a quiet time. Is that an oxymoron? But, but we have our quiet. There's, that's okay. So I, I know I'm making fun, but seriously, it's okay. There's nothing wrong with having quiet, neat prayers and, and orderly prayers and kind of, you know, having this routine and things we talk about the Lord. But listen, when you're faced with a crisis, when Pharaoh's breathing down your neck, when things are going bad, sometimes you have to lay aside those nice little neat prayers and you got to pray with some emotions. And I'll tell you right now, when I've had those times in my life where I've faced a wall, I, I get, me and God, we, we start having a conversation. You, sometimes you'll yell, sometimes you'll moan, you'll groan, sometimes you'll get, you'll get, you'll get emotional, you'll get excited, you'll get loud, you may cry, you may weep, your nose may run. Okay, how many know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you cry to your, to the, you know, just, you're just, your nose is running. I'm not trying not to say snot in the pulpit, but your nose is going to run. And that's okay too. You know why? Because the Bible says in James 5, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. That fervent prayer is that prayer where you just get down to business and you're praying with passion and fire. And, the, and one translation says that the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman gets the job done. And if you want to get a prayer through sometimes so that you can find a way out, sometimes you just got to get, get down in prayer to prayer with God. So you pray with fire and passion. You tell the Lord your desperation. You say, God, I need you. God, if you don't show up, I'm finished. I don't know what to do, but God, I'm trusting you to bring me out. That's how you pray, and that's what they did. The second thing they did is they buried their fear. They were carrying that fear for a while, but they buried their fear. You see, when you cannot see a way out with your physical eyes, you have to use your eyes of faith to see a God that can make a way out. So here's what I'm going to tell you to do, just like God told them. Stop running all over the place, making calls, setting appointments, and trying to find solutions that are just not there. You're wearing yourself out. Stop blaming others or asking, why did this happen to me? Why, why am I at this point where the doors are closed and nothing's happening and I'm hitting a wall? Why is this? This is somebody's fault. Stop doing that. Deny your fears and exercise faith in the God you serve. Because I'm going to say three simple words to you that will help you with this. God is able. Does anybody at high praises this morning believe God is able? Does anybody believe that he can? Does anybody believe that he will? Come on this morning. Prepare yourself for a move of God in your life because he has the answers and he has the resources. I'm going to give you a secret. You ready for this? You got to move from fear of the unknown to faith in the God you do know. You move from the fear of the unknown to faith in the God you do know. And so they buried their fear. The third thing they did is they waited on God. They waited on God. Now, I don't like waiting. Do y'all like waiting? The older I've gotten, it's gotten worse. I don't like to get in a line at Chick-fil-A. I go by Chick-fil-A and I want to get something. I just sometimes keep on driving because I don't want to get in that big old long line. 
I don't like waiting. I'll get out sometimes and move. If I'm driving and, and we get in a traffic jam, I'm not the guy that's going to sit there for two hours. I'm going to get off an exit and find an alternate route. At least I'm moving. All the men are amen to me right now. At least I'm moving. I ha that happened to me. We went to Seabrook Island a few months ago. On the way back, we hit this massive traffic jam. I got off the exit. I went the back roads, the country's beautiful state of South Carolina. I saw it. It took me an extra hour to get home, but I didn't care. I got home, and I was in control. Now y'all saying, are you control feet? Just a little. Just a little. I don't like to wait, but sometimes in spiritual things, you have to learn how to wait. If they had tried to run to the left or right, the wilderness would have killed them. If they had run towards the Red Sea, they would have drowned. If they had tried to run back towards Egypt, Pharaoh and his army would have destroyed them or put them back into captivity. However, watch this. As long as they stayed under the shadow of the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, everything was going to be all right. See, the angel of the Lord, the Spirit of God, and the angel of the Lord manifested the presence of God as a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And so here's the thing. As long as you stay under the covering, as long as you, see, you want to do something. You want to make something happen, but you, you can't make anything happen. You've been trying. You've made all the phone calls. You've, you've exhausted every connection, nothing. You are at a dead end, nothing, and you want to do something else. But sometimes the, what you got to do is nothing. You just got to back up, get in our spiritual lazy boy, and wait and say, God, I'm under your covering. I'm under your shadow. You're still Lord. You're still my Father. You still got this, and I'm going to wait on you to do what I cannot do, and that's all right because the Bible says in Isaiah, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Watch this. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. Now you say, How, what, what do you mean, Pastor? I love that. That fits this sermon because sometimes you get boxed in. Boxed in. Somebody boxes you in their chicken coop, if you will. They've got you boxed in and you can't move and you can't get out. Don't box me in because if you box me in, God will just give me eagle wings and I'll fly out of your chicken coop and God will take me where he wants me to go. Come on. I'm telling you today, God will make a way where there is no way. We'll rise up with it. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. You just have to wait on the Lord. You got to learn to be patient. God will come through every time. See, what you think is the end of the road is just a bend in the road. Where you see a wall, God sees a doorway. <laughs> Somebody said, where you see no way, God sees a doorway. What you think is the end is just the beginning of something miraculous and wonderful that God is about to do in your life. We had a man in the first service. I was flowing in the gifts of the Spirit. And that man, I, God said, get him. I said, come down here. And the Lord told me to tell him one thing. He, I told him, I said, the latter shall be greater than the former. The latter shall be greater than the former. See, when we think it's over, when we think it's done, when we think it's, it's never going to take place, God's just getting started good. We, just, we have to learn to trust God. Pastor, can I afford to put my situation in God's hands? Absolutely. The angel of the Lord, as I said, led Israel out of Egypt as a pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. And on that night before he made a way, God moved between the children of Israel and Pharaoh's army as that pillar. And what he did, he made it dark on the side of the Egyptians 
but the pillar of fire lit up the night for the children of Israel so they could get everything ready and they could see what God was doing. My Lord, I'm preaching stuff God just given me. See, when nobody else can see it, God sees it. And then sometimes when nobody else can see it, God will show you and you'll start seeing it. That's when you've been praying and waiting and longing and looking and saying, when, Lord, and all of a sudden, you'll see little cracks and little things are happening and things are starting to turn. And you'll say, you'll look at your wife and say, baby, I think it's happening. What do you mean? Stuff, things are starting to happen. Some, some things are starting to shift. Some things are starting to move. Something's about to happen. I can see it. Nobody else can see it. Everybody else thinks that it's never going to happen. But I'm telling you, I'm beginning to see God's beginning to move. And that's what happened. And so God got between Pharaoh's army and the children of Egypt and this is the point Pharaoh had to go through God if he wanted to get to the children of Israel and I know your worst fears are, are, are that, that it's never going to change and, and you're fearing the worst that, that nothing's ever going to open up for you and you're going to be stuck or you're going to miss this opportunity or whatever it is, but listen, God is standing between you and whatever it is that is trying to resist you. And if he wants to get to you or it wants to get to you, guess what? Whatever it is that's resisting you, it has to go through Jesus to get to you. And Jesus is not going to let it get to you because he has other plans. And he's prepared to fight your battle. That's why I like Isaiah 59, 19. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against it. That's why I like Isaiah 43, 1 through 3. Fear not. God speaks. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. And when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you go through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flames scorch you, for I am the Lord your God. I know somebody in this Pentecostal church feels like praising him right now. Hallelujah. Moses lifted up the rod of God over the Red Sea, and God supernaturally parted the waters. And there's this wall of water on the right and a wall of water on the left. And I used to preach this and always get excited because if I would have been walking, I would have been looking for fish. And I could just see a fish on one side right up on the end with those gills and fins going, you know, and me on the other side wanting to just poke him. I, that's, that's my imagination. But there was a wall of water on the right and a wall of water on the left, and they walked. But here's the thing. We all know that lake bottoms, ocean bottoms, are, 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 are mucky and muddy. And if they'd tried to walk through after God, they would have sunk. But instead, God sent a breeze, a supernatural breeze, and he dried the floor, the bed of the Red Sea, so that when they walked through, they walked over on dry ground. He created a way on the left, on the right with the walls, before, this is what I want to show you. The day before, there was no way out, right? A day later, God had made a way out. God had made a way where there was no way. And I just wish somebody this morning would get it that when you cannot see a way out, I'm trying to tell you this morning, God will make a way out because he is a way maker. He is a miracle worker. He'll, I like this. He'll make a way in when they won't let you in. He'll make a way out when somebody won't let you way out. He'll make a way around. He'll make a way over. He'll make a way through if, if he has to. But God is a way maker. And listen to me. The world cannot stop him. The government cannot stop him. Corporate office cannot stop him. Disease cannot stop him. The economy will not be able to stop him. All the devils in hell will not be able to stop him when God decides to make a way for you where there was no way. 
Hallelujah. I want to preach this to you. See, while you're busy looking for a way out, God is busy making you a way out. You just have to decide, are you going to let go and let God handle your situation? I love Revelation 3.7. Revelation 3.7, Jesus is walking among the candlesticks. He's talking to John. Give, this, give these messages to these seven churches in Asia Minor, which is now modern-day Turkey. He said, give these messages. And one of the, one of the churches, Revelation 3, he, he said, Behold, I am the one who has the key of David. This is what he said now. Don't miss this. And he said, I open and no man shuts. I got the key. See, if you got connections and whatever, and you make calls and sometimes opportunities, praise God, that's awesome. Praise God, I had the right call, made the connection, that's all. But sometimes you don't have the connection. You don't have the key. You don't have what you need. You don't have the power, the influence. You're not able to make it happen. You're stuck. But God's never stuck. And God has the key. And what he opens, nobody can shut. He can open any portal, any door, any window for you. And when everyone says it cannot happen, God will make it happen. And when the skeptics say it's impossible, God makes it possible. And when the powers that be slam one door in your face, God will just open up another one. And there's not a thing in the world that they can do about it. Do you know that when we started this church 22 and a half plus years now, January will be 23 years, we'll be 23, wow. Uh, the state official, the administrative bishop in South Carolina was for us. We had the support of the state, but in Cleveland, Tennessee, where our international headquarters are for the church of God, which is what we're part of, the denomination, there were certain powers that be that didn't want this church to start. And so they tried to put some pressure on our overseer, and they, they wanted to see if they could stop it. But we're here, ain't we? My dad's probably watching right now, and I wish I had all the details. If Pop was here, I'd just give him the mic and let him tell you. But my dad pastored in Pennsylvania, and then God opened the door for him to go with administrative work in our denomination to be the state youth and Christian education director, and that's how we ended up in Michigan. Live there for four years. You have four-year terms. Dad's term was ending in that four years. These states are slotted as one, two, three, four-star states, and you sort of move your way up. If you're in a one-star, you go to a two-star, two to three. Well, Dad was praying, and the Lord spoke to him. The Spirit of God said, you're going to South Carolina. Dad shared that with the powers that be in Cleveland. They said, you can't go to South Carolina. He said, I'm just telling you, that's what the Lord told me to do, that I'm supposed, well, you can't go to South Carolina. We're going to send you in another state. Dad said, that's fine, but I'm just telling you, God said, I'm supposed to be in South Carolina. And I don't know all the details. And Pops right now wishing he could tell the details. But they had, I've, I've served on the state council several times here. So the overseer nominates somebody to the state council in South Carolina, and then we vote on it. Well, what something happened, and whoever was the person that was the nominee, it, he either backed out or it fell through, something changed, and all of a sudden now they don't have the guy they thought they were going to vote for. And I don't know how, but somehow in that state council meeting with that state overseer, the name T. David Sestar came forward, and somebody started talking about it, and the overseer said, well, do you want to vote on T. David Sestar? How would you? They said, let's vote on him, and Dad got the vote, unanimous vote, and that's how we ended up in South Carolina, and Cleveland tried to stop him 
them again and they couldn't do it. Now, I'm not picking on our denomination. It sounds like it. But what I am telling you today is if God makes up his mind that you're going to go somewhere, if God makes up his mind that he's going to open a door for you and you're going to go do something for him, the denomination can't stop it. Nobody can stop it. God will make a way. You just have to trust him. I want you to stand with me this morning. 2,000 years ago, God made a way where there was no way. Sin through Adam and Eve had separated all of humanity from God. A great chasm of our sins kept us from God, and you can't get to God. People come up with religions and say, I'm going to try to find a way to get to God. You don't get to God, y'all. God has to get to you. Do you hear me? And 2,000 years ago, God said, I'm going to get to you. And he sent his son Jesus as a man to come die and pay sin's price. We should have died for our sins, but Jesus died in our place, a substitutionary death. And he died on that cross. And three days later, he rose from the grave, and he lives as the one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father. Nobody gets to God except through me. And just to make his point in one of the greatest object lessons we've ever seen that was divine in origin, in the temple in Jerusalem, there was a thick veil. It was as thick as my hand is wide. Can you imagine a curtain like that, ladies, in your house? And that veil separated the holy place from the most holy place. And there was the Ark of the Covenant, and that represented God and the presence of God. And only one guy could go back there and only one time a year, and it was the high priest on the Day of Atonement. This, the veil represented you can't get to God. You're separated from God. Your sins separate you from God. But the day Jesus died and made a way through the rent veil of his flesh, God himself reached down and grabbed the veil in the temple and supernaturally ripped it in two and dropped it on the floor in the temple. Could you imagine the look on the priest's face when they walked in and saw that big veil that had been there for centuries keeping them out had been ripped in two and there was the Ark of the Covenant and the most holy place exposed. God was saying through that act because of what Jesus had done there's no more separation. There is a new and a living way to me and it's through my son and if you'll just put your faith in what he did and lean on my grace and have trust and confidence in what he did and ask me to forgive you I will forgive you of your sins and I will come to you and I will reconcile with you, and I will even move in your heart and in your life and change you forever. Aren't you glad that 2,000 years ago, Jesus, the way maker, made a way where there was no way? Hallelujah. And he'll make a way for you if you're not saved today. I want, I want us to just pray right now. We've had a great service, but I want, to, I want us to pray. If you say, Pastor Chris, I'm facing a wall. I'm facing a situation I can't find a way out. I feel like we're beating our head against the wall. I just want you to pray with me that God will, will move in my heart and my life. I, I need God to move in this situation. I want you to step out. Don't, don't delay. You've already learned. You can come down here. Step out of your seat and come down here. I want to pray with you, okay? Singers are going to sing. I just want to pray with you about your situation that God will come through for you. Come on. I, I know some folks that I know would want to come down this morning, but just come. That's it. Just stand here, and I'm gonna, I will pray with you. Come on, that's it. Michael, Lindsay, I know you were going to come. Come down here. We're going to pray about your situation. 
Anybody else? Come on, I'm, I'm fighting something, Pastor. I'm right now, I, I, there's no way out. There's no way through. I need God. I don't care if it's your business. Sometimes we, we're bad to, to we, we spiritualize everything else. We leave God out of our business or our family. Maybe you're fighting something right now in your family relationship, but God can make a way where there is no way. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.